0: Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that gets us thinking, gets us wondering, gets us imagining, gets us sometimes giggling, sometimes um, just excited to be connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged to do it just a little bit more because we made the connection. Our show today is co-produced with our partners Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, Rise. And I have two wonderful co-hosts. I have Sarah Greedle, who is the storytelling program manager at Rise, and we also have Naima Dorhe, who is an organic farmer. We'll be learning more about Naima's farm. Sarah, I am so glad you are actually in studio with me today.
1: It's so good to be here. Thank you, Lori. Absolutely. And you've been vaccinated. You've had both. I have. I'm very fortunate.
0: Yes. And we're fortunate to have you today. Well, March is Women's History Month. Huzzah and yay and let's go women. And the 27th, we should all know, is Muslim Wis- Women's Day. And to celebrate, I want to have us talk about the Muslim Ros of Minnesota and the work that you do, Sarah.
1: Yeah, so um, I lead the Muslim Shiro's of Minnesota Storytelling Project at RISE. This is a multimedia storytelling project, and its purpose is to reclaim the Muslim women's narrative. So we do that by curating and amplifying stories of Muslim women who are agents of change in their communities. Um, It includes videos, written narratives, a podcast, as well as a set of illustrations.
0: Now you you were you were part of the initial
1: group. You you joined how many years ago now? About 3 years ago, coming up on 3 years.
0: And originally it was 2016, I believe, when when you when it was launched as She Rose. Um I know that She-Rose has grown over the years, and I've been so proud to see all the different wonderful women that get featured, and I'm excited to see that, you know, the, the group developed a storytelling position that, that looks for these stories and supports these stories. And, and, and in your own words, why do you think this is so important to have She-Rose being featured?
1: I think it's all about authentic, empowered representation. Um, something that our executive director, Noshina says all the time is, how can I be what I cannot see? Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of, you know, if I don't see people who look like me, who share my identities being represented equitably— and authentically, then why would I believe that mm-hmm. I belong in a position of power, position mm-hmm. of prominence? So um, by showcasing these stories of these amazing women, we are also hoping to inspire other Muslim women to, you know, step up in their communities and contribute.
0: And if you want to take a look at the Shiros, um by going to the website, what's the best website to go to?
1: RevivingSisterhood.org. And you're also on Facebook, right? We are Facebook and Instagram and Twitter.
0: And that is Reviving Sisterhood?
1: Yes. Terrific.
0: Naima, you are a shiro. <laughs> Hi, good morning. <laughs> and you're the first woman featured in our 2021 shiro series.
2: Yes, and I'm so honored to be part of, um, you know, the recognition and... Uh, just really excited,
0: and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your farm.
2: Yeah, um, so I I started farming in 2016 with my family. Um, all of that was accident. Um, I actually um, was more interested in um, growing food uh, for my family, uh, specifically for my newborn. I was not pleased with. All the baby foods that I was purchasing, I wanted something fresh and clean. And so my husband and I started growing microgreens inside our tiny apartment and quickly realized, you know, we could do a lot more outside of our apartment. And uh, we transitioned to a community garden. And eventually we started looking into how we could expand and uh, landed uh, a farm out in Stillwater St. Corey, uh, to be exact, uh, it's called uh, Minnesota Food Association, which is an incubator farm uh, training program for first-time farmers and immigrant farmers. And we decided to enroll in the program, and we did that for three years, certified organically, and we just, we, we love it. We love farming. We enjoy growing
0: food, and um, yeah. Did, did you ever think when you were growing up... <sighs> I'm going to be a farmer uh no uh
2: <laughs> but I always enjoyed I was I was I was that child that you know when the sun goes down your parents are calling for you to come uh-huh. inside uh-huh. I love the outdoors I love the dirt I just love nature um but I never thought you know as an immigrant you know child you know your parents either want you to be a doctor or nurse or you know engineer in that profession but I think when I broke the news that I'm interested in this field, um, it was it was a shocker. Um, some ways, not so much, since I, you know, I, I do love being in the outdoors and love. I prefer being outdoors than indoors.
0: So, um, so yeah. And, and what was it when your baby was starting to transition to uh, real food? Um, what was it that made you feel like I want to make sure? Um, that there's something special that I feed her. What What were the things that, that most tugged at your heart that you wanted to grow?
2: Yeah, I, I think um, I recall back home in Somalia, um, just, you know, walking to the market and getting fresh produce, right, and fresh food. So I, I wanted something similar for, for my child. And so um and I thought, you know, what can I do? You know, and the best thing that I found was um in Google, like there's so many cool ways that you could manage, you know, some of some of the growing uh inside your space um, indoors. And so I started with herbs, microgreens and um and you know, again I think it was just a matter of having some control what I was feeding my baby versus someone else making it for me and in it's processed. I just didn't like that, um, type of, you know, food in my home. And, um, and I just wanted to, to experience what I experienced growing up is just fresh, fresh food, you know?
0: Were there, ser- um, were there some types of fruits and vegetables that you weren't able to get here that if you were to grow? that you'd be able to, to, or or were there things that you just wanted to make sure that were fresh and natural and that, you know, were organic and that you'd be able to to know how they were grown?
2: Yeah, I mean, if, if I could get, if I could grow bananas and mango and uh-huh. all the tropical, and that's not ideal for this climate, right? Uh-huh. But um, I was more interested in the green, uh, the leafy greens, um, and um, just trying to introduce my child early age, um, the importance of fruits and vegetables. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the aha moment for me was as my family was growing, um, the cause that comes with fresh produce, organic produce. And as a farmer going to the farmer's market to sell my produce, I realized I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me, you know. Um, and so I think it was... Uh, Frustration and a just disappointment uh, that our system is has failed uh, people of color in terms of accessing uh, fresh produce. I, I just thought that you know, why is it that I'm coming back to back each year mm-hmm. to a farmers market and I don't see people of color shopping? You know, um, so even for me, it was it was really difficult to buy non-organic produce all the time because of the price, right? Sure. Um, food is costly here. Um, and so I think, you know, a team is we should have uh, access to fresh produce all the time. Uh, I think that's a basic right. I think people should have access
0: to. Well, and when you have access to healthy food, it's also not only tasty, but it, it really is healthy. It's, it's, it's better for your health um, to be able to eat fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, the less expensive food isn't always good for us, <laughs> right? And that's the reality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you
2: have communities that have access to processed food, corner stores. Mm-hmm. Um, they say you are what you eat, right? right? And but if you don't have a choice, it's it's you know who are you going to blame? You know, um, it's it's just something that I. I'm working on. I I transitioned to urban farming more over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the work that I'm doing right now is to make sure that, you know, communities uh, have access to green space. Uh, Although, you know, in the city, it's really hard. I shouldn't say hard, but there are a lot of, uh, you know, uh, abandoned parks or lots that um, the community could grow. But, you know, you just have to teach the community about, how to arrange a community garden and how to go through the process of growing food and all of that. Um, And I think once folks understand the process, they have control of what they put in their body. It's just that they don't have those choices or those um, options where they could do it themselves and the resources that come with it. Um, So that's the challenge here.
0: And a question I have for you is how old is your daughter now? It's
2: a he. Um, he? He's, um, yeah, so I have two, uh,
0: 10 and 12. Oh, my goodness. So are they good um, farmer helpers? Oh, absolutely.
2: <laughs> and I think they always come back each year
0: asking uh-huh. for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> so they're good negotiators, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, Naiva, thank you so much for sharing part of your story. You're going to continue to talk to us about what it means to be a shiro and the work that you're doing. Um, we're coming up to a close on our first segment, and I want to make sure that we let folks know again how to get to the website for Rise, and I'm going to have Sarah share that for us.
1: Yes, survivingsisterhood.org.
0: Check it out. Check out all the sheroes, and we're going to learn more about all the wonderful work Naeem is doing and the storytelling collection that Sarah does to pull all these wonderful women together and to have their stories be shared. So stay with us. We'll be right back after a few short commercials. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. So glad you joined us today. Our show today is co-produced with our partners, Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. And I have two wonderful co-hosts uh, sharing about sheroes. I have Sarah Greedle, who is the storytelling program manager at RISE, and Naima Dorhe, who is an organic farmer and will learn more about Naima's farm and the work that she's doing. She is the founder of Somali American Farmers Association. And on this segment, we're going to learn more about that. Sarah, so glad you're here. You're actually in studio. I have It's been so long since I've had anyone in studio. It's just delightful to have you here. And just in case folks have just joined us, tell me a little bit about, again, how you are the storytelling um, coordinator. Tell, tell me what you do.
1: Yeah, so I oversee our Muslim Shiro's of Minnesota project, which is a multimedia storytelling project that aims to reclaim the Muslim woman's narrative.
0: And you collect stories from all over, what drew you to Naima's story?
1: So we heard about Naima through the Duluth News Tribune. Um, We read an article about her and about the Somali American Farmers Association, and we knew right away that we had to talk to her. Um, I mean, partly just because of the uniqueness of her story, which is something that we heard um, after Featuring her as a shiro is just wow. You know, I've never heard of a Black Somali Muslim woman farmer. Um, So, so that was definitely part of my draw to her story. But also, you know, when we did our interview with her, um, it was very telling that our whole team walked away just feeling so inspired by her and by her work. I mean, I remember thinking, "Oh wow, I want to try growing microgreens in my apartment." Um, So, so Naima, I. I will actually um throw it over to you if you wanna tell us a little bit more about the Somali American Farmers Association and um how you how you launched that
2: yeah, um, so I think once everyone in my community heard about what I was doing um I think it was just a shocker um because like like I said earlier uh I don't look like you're a typical farmer. Um, And so I think the interest just grew in the community. Um, So this is something that I've been thinking about for years, but I was able to uh, legally start the process for Somali American Farmers Association. It's been a year now, and um, the goal is really to get more young uh, Somali um, people to look at this industry and hopefully have more uh, young farmers in the state. Uh, I believe uh, MDA, Department of Agriculture, has 39 Black farmers listed. Uh, I think this was done back in 2017, uh, but there's probably more than that um, now, I imagine. Was that just but in Minnesota?
0: From, uh, just in Minnesota? Uh, or? Yeah. Okay.
2: MDA, yeah, Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Yeah. Uh, that was my last uh, with that data um, when I checked. Um, but you know, and so for me, I, my goal is to increase that. Um, but I also want to make sure that the East African communities are engaged and um, learn about the process of farming here and, and make it feasible for them to not just, you know, uh, participate in programs like uh, the one that my husband and I completed out in St. Chloe, um, but to look into land ownership and uh, grow uh, crops of, of to their country. Um, and so uh, we launched some of the American Farmers Association and uh, we've been working with other organizations. And um, currently we're trying to um, secure a land in um, South Minneapolis. And um, like, a, you know, it's really hard to find a land um, that is outside of the Twin Cities Clearly, you know we're we're challenged with capital and resources to secure uh, a bigger space uh, for the organization, but that's a work in progress. So we'll we'll start there in South Minneapolis this season, and um, the goal is really to engage elders and youth and um, the community about uh, resources for um, farming in the state. So. Um, My goal is to really preserve the Somali culture, specifically working with elders that that have that experience back home in farming Uh, because, you know, I I think oftentimes we dismiss our elders' knowledge and we don't really spend a lot of time. And so I want to make sure that this space creates um, a quality time to really, you know, uh, spend some time with the elders and really learn about, culture and um, and another mission of mine is to preserve our seeds uh, I I went to a trip back to Somalia in 2018 and I was really alarmed by how much it has changed since I was a child before I leave um, the country and so I noticed uh, one thing um, I didn't see a lot of people saving seeds and as you know if seeds are gone you know our culture dies And so um, currently, I'm working with uh, University of Minnesota to do some trials on a couple of crops, uh, seeds that I was able to obtain from the USDA, and these are leafy greens that are native to my country or East Africa, and we'll be growing some of those crops this this season. And um, that's something that I'm interested in bringing to the market and also make sure the elders have access to.
0: That's very exciting um, to have the heritage uh, be able to continue through seeds. And and it has such a wonderful metaphor as well of being able to plant and grow and nurture and support uh, both the seeds and the culture. Uh, I have a a question for you in terms of do you not only grow but have some good recipes too?
2: (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny because I know um, there's a – there's a saying about, like, we don't do measurements, and we just do everything as we cook, you know, that process uh-huh. of when you're, you know, preparing food and you're cooking. Um, that's something that I want to work on. I I signed up for this culinary program. Uh, I think it's out in Good Acre, and I hope that I'm part of the second round of the cohort uh-huh. um, to really understand, you know, the measurements and really how to create a recipe, right? Because growing up, you know, just being in the kitchen with my mom, my grandma, and my aunties, you know, I just watch what they do. And uh, there's no, like, measurement tools or anything <laughs> like that. So I wish I could say, Lori, <laughs> I have a recipe for you. I have a lot of recipes. It's all in, in, in my head uh, it, uh, and just images that I recall, you know, in the kitchen with my family.
0: Well, I, I think so. that, that a good farm life, that is what happens. My I know my mother-in-law. Never had a recipe for our apple pie, but her apple pie was always wonderful, and she'd show me how to make it. And but it was never with any measurements. So it is something I think uh, we learn over time, so that we can carry on the tradition. Is just in case we forget some of those you know, those combinations that become sort of natural. Uh, we can share. So I would love to learn more about the recipes that you create once you've got your measurements so that, that I too would be able to make some of this great food that you, that you have shared with your family over the years. Yeah. Well, we are at the end of this segment now too. Um, and I want to learn more maybe in the next segment about the Somali Museum of Minnesota. Is that part of what you're doing with the University of Minnesota as well with the seeds? Um. No,
2: no. It's specifically with the University of Minnesota. Okay. I don't
0: know if I, yeah. Well, uh, in the next segment, I want to learn more about the Somali Museum of Minnesota and growing leafy greens as well. So we'll wait for that for the next segment. Uh, You're listening to AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota on Connections Radio Show. And we're partnering today with RISE, a wonderful group of women who are... um, out there to support the reviving of the Islamic sisterhood for empowerment. And we're celebrating uh, our Women's History Month. And don't forget, the 27th is Muslims Women's Day. So we'll be right back just after a few short commercials. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and our show today is co-produced with the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment. The group is called Rise, and joining me as co heads today are Sarah Greedle. She is the storytelling program manager at Rise, and Naïma Dorhe. She is an organic farmer, and she's the founder of the Somalian American Farmers Association. I think that's Somali American of Farmers Association. And that's um, and in case you want to learn more about that, is there a uh, a website that we could go to, Naima? Uh, currently, we
2: have a Facebook page. Okay, uh, folks can visit. Um, again, it's
0: Somali American Farmers Association. Terrific! And if folks want to learn more about
1: Rise, RevivingSisterhood.org. dot org.
0: Terrific! We have had such a wonderful conversation uh, with Naima about the work that she's doing um, in growing uh, in growing plants that are indigenous to her 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 home country in Somalia and being able to preserve heritage of her culture and of the plants and wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you so much for being for being with us today, Naima. Thank you for having me. And Naima is a Shiro. And if you wouldn't mind sharing again with our audience that may just have joined us today, tell us about the Shiro program that RISE does.
1: Yeah, so the full name is Muslim Shiros of Minnesota. It's a storytelling project that is aimed at reclaiming the Muslim woman's narrative.
0: And I have to make a correction. I was I kept pressuring Naima in the last segment to tell me about the Somalian Museum, and it's actually she works with the University of Minnesota with the seed preservation. Is that right, Naima? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make
1: sure that oh, was thank.
0: corrected. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And you were telling us also in the last segment um, about working with uh, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture and how in 2017, there was only, was it 17 black farmers listed? Uh, 39. 39. Um,
2: okay. Yeah. And I'm sure there's more um, since that was done. Um, but, you know, I think to to have more uh, BIPOC farmers in the state, it's beneficial because um, you know, this is a very diverse state. Uh, you have a large Hmong community here who also are the, I believe, a uh, large large number of them are farming in the state. Um, and it, um, so I'm hoping that for the East African community, uh, we get more um, emerging farmers in the next couple of years. And a goal, the goal for uh, SAFA, the Somali American Farmers Association, is to recruit young people into, um,
0: farming. And you're working with policymakers and others in power. How, how do you make sure that, you know, money's getting set aside for, um, black, indigenous and people of color farmers?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've been doing advocating for the last, uh, I want to say past a year and a half on, and honestly, you know, Lori, I, my goal was to really share my experience and, um, my challenges around land access, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as capital. Um, So I think that turned into having more conversation where the issues with these uh, current um, bills, for example, or uh, policies that are already in place, but it's just not feasible for many of us, especially the emerging farmers, uh, who don't have the access to a land um, and the capital to make it work. Um, You know, I, I tell folks, you know, if you're interested in becoming a farmer, make sure you keep your day job because the reality is it doesn't it doesn't pay the bills um we we farm seasonal but our goal is to become full-time farmers and that's something that requires time um because it's just it's really a, a tricky um position that many of us who are emerging farmers five rock farmers um it, it, it honestly it just doesn't work that easily for us to make it as a full-time farmer and many for, of us are working multiple jobs.
0: And when you say year round are you looking for um being able to uh have either some sort of nursery that you'd be able to do indoor gar- gardening uh farming I've I've also heard sometimes you can even do it in um warehouses is that something that you're looking to do?
2: Yeah, I mean I, I there's just so many um ways that you could do winter um uh, you know, uh, growing season, uh, that's the goal um, is to make sure that we're growing beyond the season. And especially the area that I'm looking at right now is uh, the season is a lot shorter than the southern part of Minnesota. So, um, but there are ways to, to continue to grow. Like you said, you know, I think having a greenhouse or high tunnel or some other ways to continue with uh, indoor growing year round, Um, it's something that is doable. But again, it comes down to having access to that and having the capital (laughs) to continue with the operation.
0: Well, it's wonderful to hear your story. And I know that that's part of, Sarah, what is important to you is being able to have a lot of different women's story be shared. And ultimately, stories help change policy. Um, Tell me about why that's important.
1: Yeah. So at RISE, our mission is to amplify the voice and power of Muslim women. And so we have a civic engagement program and a leadership development program. And sometimes I think folks are sort of surprised to learn that we do storytelling as well. But we, we really believe that in order to enact the kind of social change that we want to see, we need narrative change. So storytelling is actually a really critical piece in um, building this movement of Muslim women. And hopefully,
0: by hearing the story of Naima, there may be others that are interested in doing farming with you, Naima. Uh, If they're interested, what's the best way for them to to get in touch with you that they'd like to be part of this with you?
2: Yeah, I I think folks can go to the Facebook page uh, for Somali American Farmers Association. Um, I'm not sure if my email is... uh, that's something that I you could get from Sarah as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have an Instagram page. It's called uh, Naima's Farm at Naima's Farm, and that's my personal business um,
0: page. when when you're building uh, women's awareness, and I loved in the first segment how you shared how can you be if it's not something that you see, you also face uh, prejudice. How is storytelling helping with fighting Islamophobia?
1: Yeah, I mean, originally this project was really launched and targeted toward folks who um, maybe don't know a Muslim woman, who Mm -hmm. um, don't have Muslim friends, who don't really see um, authentic, realistic representation of Muslims and specifically Muslim women. Um, and we really believe that um, by getting to know these sheroes through their stories, um, any of these stereotypes or the biases that we might hold about who Muslim women are, which are of course constantly reinforced through the media, um, Islamophobia in the media, um, that some of those will fall away just by um, hearing the stories of Muslim women who, you know, like Naima, are. Out to change the world for the better, uh-huh. Naima. Have you faced
0: any challenges uh, with Islamophobia as you've been developing your farms and your outreach programs?
2: Um, no, good. But I think what I've, I've noticed is that in the beginning of when, uh, especially my community, discovered that you know, one, you know, being a woman, an African and Muslim woman farming in rural area. Um, I think there was a large interest, but then over the years the last four years i, I think there was a push back folks were not interested in as much um uh, coming out, especially the areas that I was farming um mm-hmm. uh, because of the reality what we've been seeing over the years uh with just maybe signs and um so, you know, I, I've noticed that changes in my community's response to whether they wanted to come out and, mm-hmm. you know, just be out there with me. But I noticed a decrease of traffic for volunteers.
0: And sometimes in Minnesota, um, the Minnesota nice is really not nice, It but it there's a silent um, anxiety that can come out of being unsure if it's safe and if you can trust being in places and if there's a, a full sense of belonging and I'm glad that what you're doing is creating a, a greater sense of belonging especially in our rural areas we need that um, we need to have the richness of multicultural farmers and and I am delighted with the work that you're doing uh, and with that with that vision perhaps for the future what what would you love to see as, uh, as the future, in looking at preserving not only the seeds but um, developing uh, the dedication and the love of of the rural farm, yeah, I mean as as you know, I think we see that
2: there's large numbers of retired uh, or retiring um, you know of the your mainstream traditional farmers, right? So Uh there's a big shift, there's a transitioning that's happening. Uh, My goal is really to make sure that not only to bring new crops to the market, but to also have emerging farmers to be successful so that we're not in a position where, um, you know, (laughs) that we don't have access we don't have a shortage of access to fresh produce, especially with the pandemic, we've seen an increase of interest of local food. So my goal is to really making sure, like how much can we localize our food, you know, Mm -hmm. in a sustainable way. So again, it's just sustainability that I'm interested in as I explore more in the agriculture and grow. Um, and try to get more young people engaged in um, agriculture is, you know, not only can we grow our fruits and vegetables here, but how do we sustainably, you know, have goat operation, you know, halal meat here um, in in a responsible way. Um, and also, you know, just making sure that all of our food is local, something that I recall back home. <laughs> yeah. I don't want my food coming from... Nothing against Australia or you know Peru or anything like that. I just I think the more we
0: localize our food, the better for all of us. Well, well, study shows that when you eat close to where it's grown, it does. Uh, it is more healthy for you. <laughs> the the getting in your system with the bacteria and all that that actually helps mm-hmm. with allergies. It helps with all kinds of things um, to make us uh, and it makes sense, you know, to to eat near. To ha- be able to have food that's from near where you live, you know, in an intuitive way, it makes sense. But in a very positive and strong way, when we start to see, you know, more types of crops being available, I think that's really exciting, too. And introducing more people um, to the to the amazing uh, crops that, that may be available here in Minnesota, I think, is a real exciting opportunity. I know I'm, I'm coming at the end of, of this segment, but I do have one more question for you. And that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, in your journey in developing um, your farm and your vision for your farm, was there one particular aha moment that you had that was like, it just changed your, your viewpoint as to why it was important to be um, pursuing this as part of your passion?
2: Um, I think after, well, I was exhausted by the first season of as a farmer trying to learn how to grow and learn these different type of crops. My aha moment, I would say, was my second year when I realized, wow, you know, hunger is man-made. You know, if I'm able to grow in this small plot this amount of food, I still have a lot of food left over um, because my market was not as strong. Um, I said to myself, we can do better. Um, I can do better. I can educate more people about ways that we could reduce food waste. And make sure that everyone has access to fresh produce, and that's you know something that I've been more passionate about. Making sure that I stay in the community, so that you know I had to change my uh, m- less rural uh, operation and more um, urban, uh, you know, uh, workshops, so that I could teach folks how they can um, grow food inside their space. Uh, whether they have a uh, green space or not. Um, and so m- my thing is how do we collectively come together and work together, especially organizations that are like food distributors uh, that are d- distributing dry foods and collaborate with them and make sure that we're not just giving uh, disadvantaged communities, you know, package processed food, but mm-hmm. making sure that they have access to fresh produce. So that's a passion of mine and, I think it all started at that moment when I realized, wow, I have all of this food left over. And it's, you know, part of it has to do with logistics, right? Um, right. Trying to get organizations that are doing the best they can to serve the communities, but might not have the manpower to have someone, you know, sent to me and so that they could pick up the produce. So, yeah, so I feel like we could do better.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for that, AHA. It's, it's very powerful to see that we can make a difference and, and we can feed the world. And no child should be starving. And there should be access to, to fresh food. And how do we do that? And thank you for your inspiration. We'll be right back for our last segment and hearing more from both uh, Sarah and Naima about Shiros and the power that they can bring to our community. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. And we have been talking about sheroes. Uh, our show today is co-produced with the Reviving the Islamic Sisterhood for Empowerment, RiSE. And I have two wonderful co-hosts on today's show. We have Sarah Greedle, who is the storytelling program manager at RiSE, and we have had a Shiro, Naima Dorhe, who is an organic farmer, and uh, she is part of and she's actually the founder of the Somali American Farmers Association. Thank you both for being my co-host today. Thank you for having us, Lori. So, Sarah, before I know we only have a few minutes because I ran over, because <laughs> I love talking with you all, but uh, tell us about how listeners could get involved with the She Rose Project.
1: Yeah, so go to our website, of course, at revivingsisterhood.org. Um, and I think the first step to getting involved is just um, reading, watching, listening to the stories. Um, whatever field you work in, whatever um, interests you have, there is a shiro there, I can guarantee, who is doing amazing work. Um, so find her. And then, of course, amplify those stories of Muslim women. Share them with your networks. Um, and if you know a Muslim woman who should be featured as a shiro, you can nominate her at revivingsisterhoodorg slash nominate.
0: And be particularly mindful of March 27th which is Muslim Women's Day?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a great opportunity to think about how you can uplift the Muslim women in your life. Um, but, of course, we want to do that all year round, too. <laughs> absolutely.
0: <laughs> and, Naima, what are ways that our audience can support you in the work that you're doing?
1: Um,
2: so if you're interested in supporting SAFA, um, you could go to the Facebook page, Somali American Farmers Association.
0: And if they want to get involved, they'll just send you a, a, a message or just put it right on the Facebook.
2: Yeah, you can directly message us through
0: Facebook. That's the only platform we have right now. Terrific, terrific. And how? Uh, what recommendations do you have in celebrating Women's History Month and uplifting Muslim women all year long? I think
2: Sarah said it well, and I think you know having uh, organization like such. Um, and just directly supporting them um, and really getting to know the organization and the work that they do and reaching out to other Muslims that are doing amazing work. And um, I think that's the best way to directly impact and reach out.
0: Well, and do you have one um, final idea that you'd like to leave our audience with in terms of the work that you're doing um, at, with your farm and with young people and with the um with the elders in your community that you'd like them to be thinking about and sharing with others so that the word can get out about the good work that you're doing?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, um, the, the image of that one image of farmers in the state is slowly changing, right? And so I think that, um, folks should be supporting more young people, uh, especially in this industry, because they play such a vital role in our food system. And um, I would like to see more support for emerging farmers.
0: Terrific. And Sarah, tell me about, again, how if folks know of a shiro. Um, what are the types of Shiros that you've featured in the past that and what are some things for tho- folks to think about in letting you know about Shiros, uh to be uh, celebrated?
1: Yeah, great, great question. Um, we really want to ensure that we represent Muslim women, you know, in their full authenticity and multi-dimensionality. So really, the only criteria are, is she a Muslim woman and is she creating change in her community? Um, And so if you know a Muslim woman who meets those criteria, you can nominate her at revivingsisterhood.org. Like I said, we have featured a whole host of um, different sheroes who are doing work in many different areas, who represent many different identities and lived experiences. Um, And so we're always looking for more because we know there are so many sheroes out there.
0: And? Uh, Tell us how to get to the website so that we can watch and look and listen to all these great stories.
1: RevivingSisterhood.org slash heroes.
0: And I want to do a shout out to Rise and the the many years that you have worked to bring this awareness in our community. The many more women um, that have gotten into political positions and have run for offices and have had change at the Capitol and have started businesses and have reached out in new ways. um, The more that we can see, the more we all can be. And so I thank you in terms of all women um, and a special shout out to support our Muslim sisters and supporting them to be all that they can be um, because the world will be a better place and continues to be a better place. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our Connections radio show today. Um, Stay connected. uh, Care about people. Make a difference. Take what you've learned and do something special this week. Have a great one.